0: Praise the Lord. I wonder if we could stand together and just lift our hands and worship God and thank him right now. Just the privilege to be in the house of the Lord and to glorify his name. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and blessings. We thank you for this congregation here this morning. Thank you for brothers and sisters in the Lord that love you, Lord. We ask you to bless the word of God as it goes forth this morning. Touch our lives and hearts. Bless every Sunday school class, Lord, that's going on at this time. We give you the praise and glory for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. And God bless you, and you may be seated. Praise God. Now, before you get into uh, your lesson there, I'm going to put a, a, a copy of it, of what you've got in your hand on the board. And uh, then I'm going to come back to that in a few moments. But I won't explain to you what we're doing why we're why we're doing it the way we are. This is what you have right now. This is focus, and I realize that you cannot see that like it is. Let me bump it up one more. there we go. This is what you' you can't see that on the screen. I'm very much aware of it and uh I'll be uh, showing you one up a little closer here in a few moments. But while we are talking about this subject, I want to explain to you here that uh, Paul wrote most of the epistles. The New Testament is made up of the gospel books, the book of Acts, and the epistles, which are letters written by the apostles. And then finally by John himself, who wrote five of the books. In the New Testament, uh, and he also wrote the book of Revelation, which is a book of prophecy. Uh, Paul wrote most of the books. He wrote fourteen of the epistles, thirteen that we know for sure, and then one that is not sure that he wrote it, but they believe that it possibly was because of evidence. And from what I've studied over the years, I believe that he, it was Paul. And that was the book of Hebrews, and that was the last book that he wrote. And uh, outside of Second Timothy, and so I'm going to just talk to you here a little bit about Paul and why he wrote these books when he wrote them, and so forth. This is a map here of the of the uh, of that area, and let me explain it to you, and then I'm going to get up a little closer on it with you. This is Palestine, way down in here in this corner. This is Palestine where my pen is. Uh, this is the Sea of Galilee, and it's, it's very small on the map because the emphasis is not there. Egypt is right on down in here and, the, every, every, and here, and then this is what's called Syria. Now, this whole area up in here today is Turkey, and this is Greece right in here. This is Macedonia, and then this is Italy over here. And, then, of course, the boot, you can tell, and the Sicily over here. Now, this is that Mediterranean Sea that most of us are aware aware of it. And uh, it was over in this area that Paul did so much of his ministry. And uh, I'm going to get a map and get up a little closer because I want to emphasize this area right in here first. And then we're going to also include this area. So stay with me here for just a moment. Let me give you another map that shows up close. What happened was that when Paul was converted in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, uh, the Lord called him and said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And I think I hit a button here that uh, the power. What happened here? What? There we go. I just punched that one, yeah. wait until this turns blue. And then we can turn the light back on. Oh, okay. Turns blue. Takes a few minutes there. I guess okay. we need to. There we go. Okay, it does turn blue. Okay. There we go. Thanks. <laughs> I just found yeah. out something. Praise the Lord. I'm never looking at it when I'm up here sitting here. God bless you. This is the um, a map, and I never touched nothing. What happened? We got a okay. We uh, this is the map here of of Paul's first missionary journeys. Now, if you'll notice, what we did was to bring this up close. This is the map like this that we showed you and what we're showing you now is this area right in here. So we bring it up real close. And what happened was that Paul got converted and on his road into the ninth chapter of the book of Acts and uh, and he went and lived where he grew up at, a place called Derby up here, right here. A little town called Derby right there. And uh, he stayed there for a number of years. He, he, He also went to Damascus and went out in the wilderness for three and a half years The Lord gave him a lot of knowledge and understanding of the the Old Testament, how that it was being fulfilled in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. And Paul gained a great knowledge. He was a very brilliant man, very educated, very intelligent person. And uh, after he had been here at Derby for some time, uh, Barnabas went there and got him and said, Come on, Paul, you don't need to be sitting around here. Let's go to the work, and do work the work of the Lord. And they came over here to uh, to this uh, Uh, Antioch up here in Northern Syria. And then from there, they did their first missionary journey and they came to a place where the church there said, you guys need to go out and preach the gospel because you you got all this talent and ability and wisdom and knowledge and everything. So Paul and Barnabas went out from here and they went down into the uh, the Isle of of Cyprus and they traveled. I won't go by it, but this was called their first missionary journey. And they went to uh, they went over here to Perga and Pessilia and Iconium and Antioch and Lystra and Derby, and then they backtracked and came back came back to Antioch and whenever they did they had seen such results among the Gentiles and they were thrilled by it and so then they decided to go down here to uh, to Jerusalem and tell. All the Jerusalem church, what God was doing among the Gentiles. And whenever they did, there were some of those Jews that said, No, they got to keep the law. Uh, You got to keep the law. I don't care if you are a Gentile being saved, you got to keep the law. You got to, you know, do what the law says and so forth. Paul said, No, 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 no. It's fulfilled in Jesus Christ and so forth. Finally, the apostles, particularly Peter and James, James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, which went, went from about 5,000 to almost 10,000 people in that first century. And he was the pastor of that church. James says, no, no, we're going to let Paul do it his way. We're going to recognize the Gentiles as being saved without having to go back and fulfill all the things of the law. And so Peter also said the very same thing. But there was always a few that said, no, 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 they were ex-Pharisees who had gotten converted into Christianity. They said, no, 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 we believe you gotta go back and keep the law and so forth. Well, nevertheless, Paul and Silas went back up here to Antioch and then later, uh, Barnabas rather, Paul and Barnabas went back and later uh, Silas went up and Paul and Silas went on what was called the second missionary journey. I have a reason for telling you all of this. Now remember they went up in this area here in that first missionary journey. The second one, they went way over here. And when he got over here in the book of over here in uh Troy, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and said, Paul, don't go into Asia. This is called Asia. This is Western Turkey today. And this area was called Asia. This is why that in the book of Revelation, the first three chapters, first second and third chapters more. That those churches are mentioned there, the churches of Asia, and it, it has them listed here: Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, uh, and Laodicea. And they all, each one of them, has got a little cross on the on the city where it marks it there. And you can't see it, but that's what it is. But this is called Asia, and the Lord spoke to Paul here and said, "No, don't go into Asia at this time yet." And He said to him, "I want you to go over into." Uh, over into Greece, which was a call of Cai, and into Macedonia. So he got the Macedonian call. He went over here. And when they got over there, they went to Philippi. I have a reason for telling you that. They went to Philippi and got beaten with stripes, 39 stripes save one, thrown in prison. And then the Lord said, An earthquake opened the prison. The prison door fell open. All the people were there. And the prisoner guard that guarded it thought they'd all escaped and he'd fixing to take his life paul said do thyself no harm we're all here we're, we didn't run away we're all here and then paul says tell the magistrates to come back here and apologize to me because i'm a roman citizen they had no business throwing a roman citizen in jail and so they came there and bowed down paul and saying and said we're sorry we're sorry sorry will you just please leave and everything so they left philippi And they went over to the little place uh, here from Philippi to, to Thessalonica. Thessalonica. In Thessalonica, they had a mighty revival. And then the trouble got all stirred up again. Everything got stirred up. They had a mighty revival in that city. And then Paul, they said to Paul, Paul, you and Silas better get out of here with Timothy just leave timothy was, was converted along the way to you just get on out of here and we can handle everything and the church grew and was mighty and the first epistle that was written in the new testament in fact the first uh, i think it's the first book that was written in the new testament is the book of first thessalonians and what happened with paul is that paul went from thessalonica and came down here to athens which is greece and then over to Corinth, where later he wrote the book of Corinthians, first and second Corinthians. But he went to Corinth and began to preach the gospel in Corinth. And while he was in Corinth, he wrote the book of first Thessalonians. Now what you have in your hands here, and what I'm gonna do here is talk to you about these churches that Paul wrote, and we're gonna look at them in, in order. Uh, I don't know if we'll go through all of them, but we're going to look at some of them here. But uh, 1 Thessalonians was the first book that was written in the New Testament uh, and written by Paul. And they were called Pauline Epistles because Paul wrote all these 14 epistles. And then 2 Thessalonians was written shortly afterwards, same year. And then Galatians, then 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Romans. This is as Paul was moving around on his missionary journeys. He'd write letters back to those churches, and it kept on going. Paul later uh, would 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 uh, would come back uh, to Antioch and to Jerusalem, and later he would be he would go to uh, he would go to uh, back on a third missionary journey. This is the third missionary journey, and from there he would go back to Rome. I mean, back to Jerusalem, and then from Jerusalem. Uh, after going to Caesarea then he would go from there back to Italy or be, go to Italy as a prisoner from that point on Paul was a prisoner so that half of the epistles that Paul wrote he was a prisoner when he wrote them so uh, down through uh, Romans he was writing letters when he was writing them and then starting with the, the book of Ephesians Philippians, Colossians and so forth he was writing letters back to these churches in here, encouraging them to walk with God and serve the God and live for the Lord whenever he himself was a prisoner. And he would thank them sometimes for being kind to him or for somebody coming that would come to visit him. Now, I've said all of that and showed you these maps so that I may give you a heads up here on what we're looking at and why we're looking at them. And these Pauline epistles that goes right on down, like I say, to finally uh, he wrote second Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, while he was in prison. And when he wrote 2 Timothy, he talked about it. It wasn't long he knew that he'd be dying. He'd be going to the whatever it was, the gallows or the execution that they had set up for him there. He was in Rome, he was a prisoner. Now, as a prisoner, Paul was given special privileges because they said he so it wasn't dangerous. So instead of him being in a jail sale and all that stuff, he had a little house. And they had a guard that stayed with him all the time. The problem with that was Paul would convert the guards. And they would become Christians and they had to put a new guard there. And so they had always having to change guards with Paul and give them a new because He was always converting them. And he would always try to reach the Jews first. Because he said the gospel came to them first. And then whenever they rejected him, then he would go to the Gentiles. And Usually there were some Jews that would uh, go with Paul on it. And then the Gentiles would come, and then whenever they would hear the gospel, they would receive it so readily and so uh, ably. And uh, so Paul did a fabulous work. And then he was writing these letters back to these other churches, encouraging them and so forth, and talking to them. And he would learn things that were happening in those churches that he felt like he needed to write a letter back to them about and so the first one here that he wrote was that one of Corinthians. Now, I mean, uh, of Thessalonians. First Thessalonians was the first one. So that's the one we're going to look at. Now, the papers that you have in your hand is what you have right there on this on the screen. Now, what I have done is that I broke this up There's a chapter one, chapter two on this. I'm going to take this chapter one. And this is a blown up version of it. And it looks like this. It's blown up a little bit so that maybe you can see it and I can refer to it here in this fashion and I want to talk to you a little bit about some things here that is in these uh, verses here now I want you to go to in your Bibles now to the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit about some of these things that happened here with Paul and the the writings that he had now give me your undivided attention right now now this one the first thing it says it talks about verse three but i'm going to talk about verse one two and three before i even start here that's not in your notes everybody still with me so if you got your bible look very closely here chapters uh, chapter one verses one two and three look at this closely folks paul and 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 sylvia says silas and Timotheus. Timotheus is Timothy. Unto the church of the Thessalonians. Thessalonia is today called Thessaloniki. That's the, It's the second largest city in Greece today. It was in Macedonia then. It was in, it's in Greece today. Uh, he says unto the Thessalonians. Which is in God the Father. And in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now down in And then a little further, grace be unto you in peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm seeing all of that because people try to say this shows us there is a trinity. Because it talks about God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And when it says and, it is implying here there are two separate persons. Now, the Trinitarians say that because in Paul's epistles, you find this several times where he says, in in, in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, let me show you why that's not true. And I'll explain to you what it actually and really means. Look down in uh, verse 3. Remember, without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our father so if the word and means two separate persons then god and the father are two separate persons you see what i'm saying and they said that you know that god is one is one uh, god is a, a per separate person from the from the son and i'm showing you here that if that's the case in the word and here the word and actually is referring to different manifestations of God or in in the person of God. Uh, let me explain to you what I mean. Uh, I'm Bishop Myers, right? Amen. I'm also, also, and I can use that word. I'm Bishop Myers and Dr. Uh, uh, Margaret Myers' husband, but that's not another person. And the father a pastor myers now i've made myself and an and and a, a husband and a father but i'm not a different person you understand what i'm saying so when the word and here is put here it doesn't denote that there is a separate person now i'm just passing that along for free for whatever <laughs> and everything and just remember that when somebody starts saying that oh blah blah, blah. no 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 and sometimes the word and is even put in there and in, 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 uh, uh, they were put there by the translators uh, because they thought it make it a little clearer and so forth. But I won't go any further in that. only just explain to you here that this part of the scriptures when it starts out and many of the gospels of Paul starts out in that fashion and talks about God the, and, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. But the word and is referring to them as well. Let me just show you this. Let me give you this verse of scripture. Look at Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. Let me just cap it off with this. For unto us a child is born. This is a prophecy of the coming of Christ. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Huh? This is Jesus, the Son. All right. The babe born in the manger. And his name should be called. Wonderful counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting father. The prince of peace. Now we know that he was called the prince of peace. As the man Christ Jesus. But it also makes him to be. The mighty God. And the everlasting father. Now what's the difference between the mighty God. And the everlasting father. Are those two different. Persons? no god as the creator and as the maker of all things just created it he's the creator he's the mighty god mighty god creator he made all the stars all the heavens all the planets all the comets all the moons you name them everything out there he made it and he made the earth and he made everything on the earth he made all the rock the water the vapor the air the dirt sand everything he made here on the face of this earth and then he was the father of all things on this earth all life comes from god so as well as being god almighty he is the father praise the lord of all life everything that exists that has that has life whether it's vegetation life or whether it's what they call animal life that is everything from a little worm in the ground and even one cell and protozoas and amoebas and things like that. even from all of that, even up to the big elephant or the whales and the sea and all that kind. Of, God has given life to everything in the water, and the air, the birds, the fish, the bugs, the big animals, the little animals, the crawling animals. It doesn't matter. God has given life and he's given life to all of us, he's given life to all of us. And I'm going to throw this in for what it's worth here today, folks. Take a little time every day and thank God for what he's done for you and what he's given you. And if you don't know what to thank him for, thank him that you woke up and you can breathe and you're still alive. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just say, God, thank you for my existence. Amen. I know we have eternal life after this life. And when we're gone from this life, we'll be living, amen, after that forever. But I just want to say here, be thankful to the Lord and say, God, thank you for My existence, praise the Lord. You see a bug on the ground and you step on him and his existence is gone. He he has life for, I don't know what, a mosquito's on your arm, you slap him and he's gone. His life is out. I mean, he might have lived for 48 hours or 24 hours and then he's gone. Amen. But God has given us eternal life. We have life in his life. And don't let Satan cheat you out of that. That eternal life that's for us. Don't let Satan cheat you out of that. You walk with God. You serve the Lord. And say, no, devil, I'm going to walk with God. And I'm going to live for him and serve him with all my heart. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, let me uh, get back over here to the book of 1 of, uh, Thessalonians. And I want you to look now with our lesson. I'm going to go look at verse 3 here. Look at this very closely with me here. Revelations. First, I'm sorry, first Thessalonians. Now I'm looking at chapter one, verse three. Look at this very closely here. We're going to talk about faith here a little bit. Remember without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. He says, remember that, praise the Lord, your work of faith. Now notice here and what we have here. Faith almost always involves actions on our part. That is works. Now, when the Bible here talks about the works of faith, it is not talking about the works that Paul later would talk about as being works of the law. Paul said, we are not saved by works of the law. And when he talks about works, he's talking about trying to go back and keep all the works of the law to be saved. He said, that's not what saves us. It is our faith in Jesus Christ. So he counteracts faith with works, but it's the works of the law. But when you read something like this, your work of faith, it is speaking about the actions of faith because faith nearly always brings an action. If nothing else, excuse me. (coughs) If nothing else, it's the action of don't do anything right now. Sometimes having faith just means you just sit still, and you don 't do anything. but in most cases, faith requires an action on our part. Praise the Lord. now I've got in some scriptures here I want to refer to you real quickly here, and that is your faith in works of love. Faith almost always involves action on our part, that is works, and I want you to go to Hebrews 11 for just a moment. Hebrews 11 Hebrews 11. And I touched on this in our Wednesday night Bible class, either this last Sunday, the last Wednesday or, or the Wednesday before, excuse me. It says, by faith, I'm looking at 11, four, by faith, Abel offered offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice, than okay. king. By faith, he offered a sacrifice. Uh, looking at verse seven, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things, not seen as yet, moved with fear. Prepared an ark. Notice here that by faith they took action. Uh, going, Moving on a little further. And all through the book of Acts chapter 11, it names all of these things. I'm just highlighting some of them. By faith, at verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up to Isaac. Offered up Isaac, but God stopped him and he never killed Isaac because he was willing in his heart to do so. Verse 24, by faith... Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused that by faith. Choosing, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ. The reproach of Christ was believing in the coming of a Messiah when he hadn't come yet. Those Jews, because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the teachings they had, believed that there would one day come a Messiah. Unto them, They believe that. And that believing in that was called, the word Christ is the New Testament word for Messiah. Messiah is Hebrew, Christ is, is, the, is the Greek of it. So esteeming the reproach of Christ or the reproach of a Messiah that would come, that was the, the Egyptians laughed at that. And Moses said, no, I believe that. Finally, in verse 28 here, through faith, he kept the Passover. Kept the Passover by faith, he did all that. Notice here, that Passover was an action thing. They killed the lamb, took the blood, applied it on the doorposts of their house, on each side, and across the lintel, across the top. When the death angel passed over, this was in Egypt before they left, when the death angel passed over, he did not take the life of the oldest son in that family because they had the blood applied. And of course, that's a type of Jesus Christ having shed his blood, and of course, then we are spared. And of course, then that was called the Passover, and they kept the Passover verse 30 by faith the walls of Jericho fell they marched around those walls of Jericho the lord said go around it 7 one time each day for 6 days <clears throat> and then go around it 7 times on the 7th day and the walls are going to fall down and they did it not seeing it happen but just doing it through obedience but what i'm saying they had to have faith to keep walking 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 they had to keep faith to keep doing that they said How do we know these walls are gonna fall? Well, the Lord said that, it's in his word. So we have faith in his word. So let's just keep walking, praying finally the seventh time on the seventh day, the walls all fell down. Praise Lord, just like God told them it would happen if they would do it. I'm just saying that they did their action based on their their faith. You understand what I'm saying? When you come to God, you don't say, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ right up here that's it no more don't tell me nothing else i believe in the lord jesus christ i'm saved no 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 because believing on the lord jesus christ demands of us an action what action brother Myers? repent repent of your sins ask god to forgive you say lord forgive me of all my sins and all my transgressions and he will forgive you us whatever he will forgive each of us and, and it says then and, and be baptized in the name of the lord jesus christ Praise the Lord. And if we do it, God will do that. I'm pointing out to you here today that the Lord, praise the Lord, wants us simply to keep his word and to have faith in the word of God. So the Bible here talks about here, faith almost always involves action on our part. That is the works. So we're bringing that out. Uh, And then, of course, in James 2.14, this is an interesting verse. I'm going to read this verse in James if you uh, want to look at this one with us for just a moment. Uh, James look at this this is this is a misunderstood by a lot of people in fact Martin Luther who was the founder of the Lutheran Church in Germany back in 1517, 1517 and, and then on, on after that uh, he did not believe James was anointed of God or inspired of the Lord. Yet he was the pastor of the biggest church in the world at that time. And he didn't believe James was 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 anointed of the Lord because of what he's going to say right here. What he did, what Martin Luther did, was he misunderstood. He misunderstood it. And I'm not saying that we understand it and over him, but Martin Luther uh, misunderstood James to the point that he dis. He disallowed James altogether. Look at verse 14. What saith it, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Now, when he says works, he's talking about acts of faith. You understand what I'm saying? He's talking about acts of faith here. If a man have, it doesn't have works, can, uh, can faith save him? That is faith without any acts of faith save him. This is what he's referring to. Verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Now he says that, and it sounds like that he's saying that if you have faith and you don't have the works of the law, Paul's talking about the works of the law when he condemned the works of the law. But that's not what James is talking about. James is talking about acts of faith, which is actions of doing what we have to do. In other words, if you're a Christian, you want to go to church. Going to church is an act of faith. Well, when I get in church, what do I do? Well, I mess with my cell phone. God, folks, don't play with your cell phone in church. Okay. They press the cell phone, blah blah, blah The preaching the singing, going on blah, 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 blah. or somebody gets their checkbook out and, as, while I'm here I do the check. Don't do that stuff in church. When you come to church, worship God. If you feel like you're lower than a gnat's heel. Amen. When you get to the house of God, so I'm going to worship God. The devil's giving me a hard time all day or all week, and now I'm in the house of God, and today I'm going to worship God. Sunday is not a day of rest. It's not the Sabbath. You know that. It's not the rest. It is a day of worship. The early church shows the first day of the week as a day of worship. And when we come to church, it's for us to worship. Praise the Lord. Don't say, oh, this is my day of rest. No, take Saturday or take Tuesday or take some other day in the week for your day of rest, whatever. But let Sunday be a day of worship. Praise the Lord. And when you come to the house of God, lift your hands up. Praise the Lord and worship the Lord and praise the Lord and thank him and tell him you're glad that you're in the house of the Lord. First of all, come to the house of God. Don't stay home. Come to the house of the Lord. I know there could be sicknesses or some, some kind of circumstances come up that we can't make it maybe for that service. But don't just say, oh, I'm just going to sit home because it's a lot easier than getting dressed and and going to church and being in. No, 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 no. I'm going to be there. Where, and you know what? Once in a while, I can't make it to a ser- church service, just like some of you. And I watch it on the Internet, you know. And everything. And it's wonderful and it's good, but I never feel watching it on the TV like I feel it when I'm in church here. I'm serious. There's something about feeling the presence of God. Hallelujah. And the joy of the Lord and the Holy Ghost. And so I'm just trying to tell you some things here about uh, walking with the Lord and trusting the Lord. So, These uh, acts of faith here is what James was talking about. I'm going to verse 20 real quick and reading on down. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Or the acts of faith. Was not Abraham our father justified by works or acts of faith? In other words, when the Lord said, go, he went. When the Lord said, offer Isaac for sacrifice, he offered Isaac or was willing to do so. The Lord stopped him at the last minute, you know that. Verse 22, Seeest thou how that faith wrought with his works, and by works has faith made perfect, or the works of faith? Verse 23, And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So, verse 24, And you see then how that by works a man, or the acts of faith, a man is justified, and not by faith only, not just by saying, It's in my mind, I got it in my mind here. Praise the Lord. If we were all in this building here, and I shouted, I hope everybody's awake now. I shouted, the building's on fire. You know? and I shouted, the building's on fire. But go out that door, you're going to be saved. First of all, you've got to believe. That's faith. Do I believe Brother Myers or do I not believe Brother Myers? Okay, yeah, I believe him. So what do you do? Sit there and just, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. No, no, you're going to get up and go out because you believe, Right. So, believe requires an act of faith in what was said. So, faith is us believing the Word of God. I'm going back now over here to 1 Thessalonians. Let me read this verse of scriptures here. Let me get right on in here. Uh, it says, Faith almost always involves action on our part and works, in love, and brings forth unselfishness and the spirit of giving of ourselves, of time, money, and everything. So it also brings forth word. But there is a f- faith that we have to have in God's word. Now, let me say one thing here. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. How can we hear lest without a preacher? And how can he preach? unless he be sent? Faith comes by the word of God. Praise the Lord. We have to hear the word of God to be saved. Folks, promote the preaching of the gospel. Promote witnessing, promote, testifying. We were in a meeting last night with the pastor and the leaders of the church here and they were talking about ways that they could reach way out and reach new people and bring people into the... And that's what it's all about, is trying to reach the people, praise the Lord. And we do that, amen, by having faith in the word and presenting the word because the word, praise the Lord, involves people and it brings them and then there is the works that follow them. my old pastor uh pensacola florida d.l welch i was a boy i was uh, born in pensacola and it was the biggest church in florida back then and he was an evangelist and uh, he traveled all over the south preaching the gospel and my wife and i we went to port st joe a little small town up there in west florida and pastored there for six years before coming here. And while we were there, Brother Welch came to visit us and spent two or three days. And he was my old pastor when I was a boy growing up. I never will, and I mean, he was my grandmother's pastor and, he, and all that, and my mother's pastor and so forth. And when he came to visit us, he told us, my wife and I told us, he told us this story. He said, when I would go to a, a city I'd put up a tent, and I'd go around and I'd advertise a tent revival, a tent revival. Let's say he was in uh, some city in Mississippi. He'd go around, a tent revival, a tent revival. He'd go around, tutor and get people, blow his horn, do all kind of things to get people out, and a few people come straggling around. But he said that's not what did it. That's not what did it. He said what I really did on the backside of the burner was get alone with God and pray. And I would say, God, send a miracle. Send a miracle, Lord, to this city. And if you'll send a miracle, we'll have a revival, Lord. Send a miracle. And he said, I would pray that God would send a, I'd just start the revival, the tent handful of people, but no, nothing happened. And he said, then there would be a miracle. Somebody would have a miraculous, a miracle now is a miraculous healing you can be healed of certain things in your body, but a miracle is miraculous. That's something you can see it. And he said, send a miracle. And when somebody would come to church and they had a withered hand like this, and all of a sudden it was, you could straighten it out and worship God. And it got all around town. The whole town began to turn out then, and the place filled up. And then when it started filling up and he began to preach the gospel to them, then they'd come to the altar and get saved and pray through because they said God is real. You understand what I'm saying? And everywhere he went, he prayed that God would send a miracle. Uh, I have a, a book here. I know I've only got about five minutes here, and I'm going to finish this up. Uh, but this is, and I, and I picked it up because it talks about faith, the shield of faith. And, uh, but inside here, <coughs> excuse me, inside here is a, article here about the revival in bangladesh bangladesh your pastor and his wife and a few others went there and they preached and this revival is is off the heels of that revival and they went there and they preached and people got saved and this is what it says i'm gonna read you what it says in here in bangladesh in 62 days span That there was seventeen thousand five hundred people filled with the Holy Ghost. They got they got a picture here. They got they got they got other pictures here of another place too as well. But right in here, the crowd is so big you cannot see the end of it. It's way over there. This is all Bangladesh. This is where your pastor and his wife went. And they preached the gospel and it was supposed to rain and it didn't rain and it fared off and they had a big revival. Praise the Lord. And people got saved. That was just one night. Then there's another night, another night. And the people just started getting saved. And they were getting healed. And the more they got healed, the more people believed. And when they believed, they received the Holy Ghost. So I'm just trying to tell you here that God will send signs. And that's what Paul talked about. He said that God sent signs. Praise the Lord. Not only was the word sent, went forth. But God would also send forth the signs of it, and every man in the power of God. Praise the Lord! And I'm just saying that because this is what old brother Welch used to talk about doing. This is what happened over here in in uh, in Bangladesh with our pastor. And I know sometimes he travels a lot and everything, folks. But you know what? He's doing the work of God wherever he goes. Praise the Lord! And thank God, you know that God can use him in doing all that. Some people, God. God hasn't given them that leadership or that that, uh, that grace or whatever it is that he has. So let's share him with the world, whatever we have to do, praise the Lord. God bless him. And Sister Amy, I remember her saying that she laid hands in Bangladesh on a woman that had a gourd, big gourd on the side of her neck, out like that. Laid hands on her and prayed for her and the gourd disappeared instantly, instantly there in Bangladesh. It was just one of those miracles that you could see. Praise the Lord. And uh, she's not a preacher. She's just the pastor's wife. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying that God uses his people. And God wants to use us, folks. And God wants to save a lot of people. Amen. And we're only here, praise the Lord, for a season. But as long as we're here, amen. Let's present the word. The word, praise the Lord, will bring them. And then God will send the miracles, praise the Lord, and then the world will believe and people get saved. There is a world full of people out there that's wanting and needing to be saved. Many of them want to be saved, but don't know how or where. And many of them just need to be saved and they don't know which end is up or down. And I'm just trying to tell you here, in these last days that we have, and I don't know how long we've got them, there is a work to be done for God and God wants to do a great work in this world Praise the Lord. And let's be active. Let's be involved. Let's witness. Let's testify. Let's talk to everybody we can because Jesus Christ is our hope. Can you say praise the Lord? Lord. Let's stand together and just lift our hands and worship God. We'll get back to these other things here next week. God, love you. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We worship you, God, with all of our heart. Thank you, Lord, for truth. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for your people. We ask you, Lord, to bless us this day and bless our morning services coming up. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.